0: are going to continue our series in Matthew chapter 5 as we've been walking through the Beatitudes and we come to a very peculiar verse today. But before I begin and before I read that verse, I want to make a bold statement right here up front and I'll probably get some reaction from this. The problem with our country is not the laws, it's not the leadership, It's not the morality, it is the heart of the people that does not belong to God, that has not been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the problem we have in our country. And with Valentine's Day approaching on Tuesday, what better verse for us to get a hold of than the one that talks about the heart? Now, I was not smart enough to plan for this verse to fall the Sunday before Valentine's Day. That was not even on my radar when we began to, to go through this series, but it's, a, it's interesting to me that the heart verse would fall on the week that we celebrate Valentine's Day, and we see hearts everywhere. Hearts mean, what's the first word that comes to mind? Love. Everybody say it like you mean it. Love. Come on, some of you did better than others. Let's try it again. Love. Isn't it beautiful when you see people in love? It's beautiful when you see people in love when they're young and when they've been married for over 60 years and they're still in love. Love is a beautiful thing, and the heart is something that we talk about. It is something that we point to. We talk about people's good heart, don't we? Well, he's got a good heart. We also talk about their bad heart. That man's heart stinks. He's just got a bad heart. We talk about how people put all their heart into something. How people are, you know, we play from our heart. We worship from our heart. The word heart carries such a heavy load. We're going to dive into that today in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Could it be that Jesus in this verse does something that will absolutely turn your world upside down? It just might be possible. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let those words sink in. These are directly from Jesus Christ himself as he's given his first sermon. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When I look at this, I see two impossibilities mankind does not have pure hearts and the word of God makes it very clear that if you were to see God physically you would die now the Jews of this day when they hear this it turned everything upside down because for them to be pure meant to fulfill the law of the old covenant it meant to check off the list, to do what you're supposed to do. Don't do what you're not supposed to do. Don't walk too far on, a, on the Sabbath. Don't reach for a cookie jar that's really high because that's considered work. So your cookie jar has to be nearby. Ladies and gentlemen, really, that's, that's one of the laws. If you've got a cookie jar and you have to reach for it, that's work and that's considered sin on the Sabbath. So you keep your cookie jar on the counter and the top open because if you open the top of your cookie jar, that's considered work on the Sabbath and that's sin. Can you imagine the load of thinking like that that would put people in a place of absolute shackles? But here comes Jesus, and he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He goes on to say in this same chapter, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is turning everything upside down. He's radically messing with their brains and their minds and their beliefs as, as he is given this sermon that is absolutely penetrating the very core of their being. The promise that the pure will see God would have been a surprising idea because even with Moses, when he said, I want to see your face, God said, hide into the cleft of the rock and look the other way and I'll pass by and you will basically just see my vapors. You'll see my afterburn. Because if you were to look upon me, you would die, Moses. There were some people in the scriptures that actually did get to see God. Can you name the first one? Who saw God first? Adam. Adam saw God first. In the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things. Then He created man and breathed into man the breath of life. And then He spoke to man. And it said that God would walk in the cool of the day with him. Adam got to see God and not die. Why would he be able to see God and not die? I know where your brain is going, and it's going in the right direction. Because I believe what Jesus is pointing to here isn't simply something that we do, but it's something that we are. I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let's slow down. Why would God put something so magnificent and powerful this far into his sermon? Why not begin with, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why would he not start with pure of heart? Because when we look at the Beatitudes, I think what we see here is we see a progression of the spirit. We see a progression of the old covenant being turned upside down. He begins with this idea. Fully satisfied are those who come spiritually bankrupt, who have nothing to offer. Fully satisfied are those... Who come mourning over their sin. Realizing that they are lost without Christ. Blessed are those who come and completely submit themselves to the Lordship of God. Let Him be in control. Blessed are those who really want it. Who is striving for it. Who is running after it. Blessed are those who have been forgiven. And what I like is they're going to be forgiven even more. And blessed are the pure in heart. It's almost like what Jesus walks them through is this idea of becoming pure in heart. And it has nothing to do with how good you are, how well you pray. Because notice it does not say blessed are the pure in prayer. Those who pray purely. Blessed are those who fast. Purely. Blessed are those who come to church purely. Blessed are those who read the Bible purely. Because you would think that if anybody deserves to see God, it would be those who are doing the things of God, right? Yet he does not include our actions. He points to the very essence of our being. Let's talk about heart for a second. It comes from a Greek word which we get cardiologists from. Cardio. That kind of thing is where this Greek word comes from. It's It's about that very essence that gives us life, that makes us who we are. Our thoughts, our motives, all those things are wrapped up. Our personality is wrapped up in the heart of who we are. So see, Jesus is in essence saying, blessed are those who have pure thoughts. Blessed are those who have pure motives. Blessed are those who are pure in their beliefs. For they shall see God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a bold statement. For us to see God, we cannot approach Him in a sinful flesh. We can only approach Him through Jesus Christ. So let's dive into what this actually means this morning. Chuck Swindoll said this, if you wonder the condition of your heart, listen to your lips. So, this morning, I want us to examine ourselves as we get into this. Listen to the things that we have said this week, the things that we might want to say right now, the things that we're saying to ourselves, not necessarily out loud. And let's examine our hearts. But I got good news for you before the end of this sermon that should be encouraging to you. Blessed are the pure. In heart, We know the heart is the very inside essence of who, who we are. Pure is the without defilement, clear, clean, without the essence of, of anything that's going. It also carries with it pure. Check this out. Pure means single, singleness, not double-mindedness. It means single focus. It's not half one way, half the other. It is single. So a pure thing is not going to be... Uh, thinking of three or four different things at the same time, it's going to be focused on one thing. I found that very interesting in my studies. Pure is an absolute, single, one-hearted focus. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I love to see the purity of this church as we work together with one heartbeat. All throughout the New Testament, you find how important it is to have unity in what you do. And I think it, it goes back to this word, purity. Purity. We get to see God work whenever we are walking in that. But let's get to this. Number one thing about being blessed is that purity begins from the inside. Notice it says, blessed are the pure in heart. Not the pure in actions, but the pure in heart. The ones that are pure from the inside out, they're the ones who are fully satisfied. So as we see people through this world and through this life try to live up to a certain standard, they try to be good, they try to do the right things, they try to say the right things. They, let me tell you what most people are trying to do, impress you, impress other people, with their righteousness, their goodness, their, their rightness. They're, they're wanting you to be impressed in the way they walk. When the reality is it it doesn't come from the outside, it comes from the inside. Purity of heart is where it begins. You can often tell the character of someone if you hang out with them long enough. They may put on a show up front. Some of you may know this. Some of you have experienced. If you've ever experienced this, when I get done, just say, amen, okay? Sometimes you have people who will put up a front and they seem to be good in the very beginning, but after a while, the honeymoon re- wears off, and you get to see who they really are because what's on the inside really comes out. Amen. Uh-huh. So we've all kind of been around that, right? I mean, it happens all the time. Back Way back when we used to date people, right? And some of you that are young, still able to date. I mean, you'll meet somebody, and they'll put on this front. Man, they will look so good. You know what's, what, what was a blessing in my life? Jane looked good when I met her. That girl girl still looks good. The true essence of who she was was what I met when I met her. See, she wasn't pretending to be somebody she's not, even though she did ask me to go UFO hunting with her the first time I met her. (laughs) UFO hunting. But she was not afraid to be who God had created her to be, who she was. But so many people try to be something they're not to impress you. And once they get you in their little little web, then the real comes out. What Jesus is saying, it's not about what's happening on the inside. It's about what's happening on the outside. And what's Well, on the inside. What happens on the inside will come out. Just like Chuck Swindoll said, you want to measure your heart? Listen to your tongue. Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. It's not what we do, it's who we are on the inside, right? So if purity begins from the inside, listen to Max Lucado, he who made you knows how to purify you from the inside out, not the outside in. It's not about doing the right things or looking a right certain way or dressing up or wearing a tie or or wearing different clothes, talking different. Let me tell you, start on the inside and you're going to talk different. You're going to dress differently. You're going to walk differently. You're going to treat people differently when it becomes what's from the inside coming out. That's the essence of who Christ is. It's an inner work that He does. Jesus is concerned about our heart. It's not just enough to clean up our act on the outside. He didn't come to reform manners. He came to redeem souls and to be, bring us a new heart, to make us a new creation, not just to cause us to say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, or yes, sir, or no, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I still love that. When somebody says no, sir, to me, I'm not old yet, but I still love the idea of yes, sir, no, sir. I've instilled that into my children. But those manners are not necessarily what makes them great. It's Jesus Christ being Lord of their life that makes them great. Now, those manners may impress somebody someday. Those manners may cause somebody to say, wow, look at them. They're so respectful. But let me tell you, the essence of who we are comes out from our heart. Here's a true statement, and you'll probably agree with me. A thief in the heart will reveal themselves. A liar at heart will reveal themselves. I see heads nodding. You want to know why I know your head is nodding? Because you've encountered people like that. Who the essence of their heart was impure. But Jesus says these words. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So wouldn't it seem impossible for us to have a pure heart if we are filled in this flesh nature of sin? To have a pure heart. And it seems like Jesus makes it black and white. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Because we could take it in the opposite. Those who are not pure in heart are not blessed and will not see God. Would that not be the contrast of what he's saying? So if this is... The truth Jesus is bringing, how do we come to understand this? Anybody in here want to just declare and confess, I got a pure heart. Dang, where's the hands? Good. I need you to listen to my sermon because every one of you needs to hear what I'm about to tell you from Scripture. We go into this thing thinking the first few verses are all about us, right? I mean, I'm spiritually bankrupt. I am filled with sin, and I am sorry for my sin, right? I mean, how many of you just think you're spiritually bankrupt? you got nothing to bring to God. Come on, some, Come on, participate with me a little bit. If you think you're spiritually bankrupt, raise your hand. See, I've got hands. I've got two hands from one person back there going, yep, I'm spiritually bankrupt. How about those who are, you know, you sin and you're just really sorry for sinning. Come on now. The, uh, all right, I, now, I, now you're participating. All right, so... See, we can identify with those two; those first few verses, right? Blessed are those who surrender their life to God. Let Him be in control. I'm there. It's me, Pastor. But when it comes to Jesus saying, blessed are the pure in heart, we go, mm, yeah, that ain't me. It's not me. Because we know what we think. We know our motives. We know that in the heat of the moment, our emotions will take over and we'll say something or do something and we go, pfft. Well, I just blew that. I even find myself that way. So what is the essence of what this means? Purity begins on the inside, but the second thing is this. Pure in heart is about who we are. First, before it's about what we do. See, we get the cart before the horse. We think about pure in heart is defined by what I do rather than who I am. How many of you would say you've been redeemed by Jesus Christ? You are born again. You have been forgiven. Now, how many of you would believe that you are pure of heart? The Word of God declared here. You know what? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to read it to you. It's over in 1 Peter. 1 Peter, uh, the very first... Peter, near the end, i got to get here. He writes some curious words about you and about me. And it's very clear that when he writes this, you and I, we kind of, kind of like last week, we kind of. there's a part of us that goes, yeah, that's about somebody else. It's not about me. It might be about the pastor or the pastor's wife or the pastor's family or the deacons or those who sing on the stage, but it, 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 this can't apply to me. But listen, this is the Word of God. I'm reading to you what it says. This isn't something I've made up. It's something that is written. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want you to look at verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. You want to know what I just heard? It is written that you royalty. You have the authority of a priest. He called you a holy nation, a group of believers, a family. holy. Hold on now. If he called you holy and the word of God refers to those who believe in Christ with the word saint, what does that mean? It means who we are in Christ. We are holy, we are born again, we have been forgiven. We take upon us that which is within us. You know what comes to dwell in us when we receive Christ? What is it? What what spirit? What adjective describes the spirit living inside of you? Holy. If the Holy Spirit's living inside of you, And God has declared in His Word that you are a holy nation. Does God lie? No, He does not. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to walk in the understanding that when Jesus died on the cross, He died to make you and I holy. And here's what we need to do with it. We need to act like who we are. See, when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, He is referring to our position in Christ, what Christ did on the cross. He redeemed us. He forgave us. The the verse before we talked about that forgiveness, that mercy that we have received, and we will receive more mercy. God has forgiven us and purified our hearts. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if someone is to ask you, do you have a pure heart? You say, by the blood of Jesus Christ, my heart's pure. But by the flesh of my nature, I sin every day. See, I'm beginning to see some heads nodding now. Because, see, if we just simply identify in our flesh without Christ, you know what we're going to believe that we're going to have to just keep on doing? Sinning and messing up, and we're just sinners. We sin, but we're holy people because we're forgiven. Because Christ died on the cross for us. His blood was for the, the, the remissions of sin. He set us free from... He did the conquering work of sin on the cross. Then we have to engage in the killing work of sin in our life. And that can only happen because we have a pure heart. How else will we know to kill sin unless our heart is pure to recognize and see that it, which is wrong? So see, blessed are the pure in heart is about who we are. We have talked about this uh, several different times, that the Beatitudes are not do these things. These are things that we are first before we can even engage in it. These are our identity. Blessed are those who come, who understand my being, who I am. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I am sorry for my sins. I have nothing to offer. God, you are in control and you are in charge. Your forgiveness is what I have to have, and I long for you. And then that purity of heart that comes to be ours. It's our new identity in Christ. It's who we are. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are His masterpiece. You know what a masterpiece is? It is the beauty of perfection in the eye of the Creator. When God looks at you, He's aware of all the mess in your life. It doesn't surprise him when you open your mouth and you say something stupid. It doesn't surprise him when you're going down the road and something happens. I'm going to confess to all of you right now. Okay, Lord, I'll confess. Last night, I got very angry in the car coming home. And I yelled. I was screaming at Google. I was trying to tell Google to text somebody... And it would goof it up every single time. And I got so angry with Google that I started screaming at the top of my voice saying how useless and how frustrating you are, Google. Google's not even a person. Google's feelings did not get hurt whatsoever because I got angry. And I was in my car and nobody knew I got angry. But yet... That anger inside of me that came up because of my frustrations over Google not listening, it would get it right, but then it would change it, mess it up, and I'm like, We live in a body of flesh, but we walk in a Holy Spirit with a pure heart that recognizes the sin in our life that needs to be killed. See, when we don't embrace this idea that Christ has purified us within our souls and in our hearts, and we walk in that, we stay over here in the flesh, and we keep walking in the flesh, and we make excuses for the flesh. (gasps) Well, I'm just that way. Well, you know, it's just the flesh, it's just the flesh. But when I step out of this, this excuse world of blaming the flesh for it and I step over here into the spiritual world and realize the word of God says I have a pure heart because of Christ. I recognize that as a sin. And I say, God, I come to you and I have nothing to offer. I have messed up. God forgive me. Take over. Do a work in me. That is when you are pursuing holiness. You're pursuing Purity. You know, this is a curious thing that happened this week. And some of you know, many of you know, my mom's in the hospital. And I was sitting there working on my sermon. And this is a a strange thing, and I think it's of God. I even questioned whether I was going to share it. But I'm sitting there in the hospital working on my sermon. And my mom, when she sleeps, she has conversations like crazy. You know when my mom goes to sleep because she's just talking away in her sleep. She's having conversations with all kinds of people and about stuff and sometimes you can understand her and sometimes she's speaking in tongues and you have no idea what she's saying. But I'm sitting there working on this sermon about purity and out of her mouth comes these words just as clear as can be and it was one sentence. You have to be holy to get to heaven. And I'm sitting here going... That's probably not an accident. It's probably not a dream. It's a reality that she understands you have to be holy to get into heaven. Now, my mom, if you were to talk to her about this, she'd tell you. She just hopes she gets there because she's made mistakes in her life, blah, 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 blah. But she understands you have to be holy to get into heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, to see God, you have to be holy. You cannot see God with sin. It is our flesh that will kill us if we see God right now in His glory. In Isaiah, whenever he looked around the throne, he saw the cherubim and the angels were praising God. And what were they saying in the worship? Holy, holy, holy. God is holy. We must be holy. He declares also in the New Testament, Be holy as I am holy. But how can we be holy living in this flesh? It begins with having a pure heart that can only be pured by Jesus Christ in that relationship understanding. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I'm sorry for my sins. God take over my life. He forgives you and you have a pure heart. But then there is that work of the killing of the sin in your life. I'm going all kinds of places. I don't even have it written down here. Our identity in this world and I recently shared this with someone the world's idea of your identity, of your worth and Satan's idea of your identity and your worth are the same. Because he is the prince of this world. And it's this. Your identity is based on your performance and what everybody else thinks about your performance. That's your value. That's your identity. God's Definition of your identity and worth is your spiritual birth and his opinion of you equals your value and your identity. It's a big difference because all of a sudden you remove the temporal and the mortal of what people think about us, and we rest in what God has said and will say about who we are. When we are born again, Nicodemus came to Jesus. And said, what must I do? And Jesus said, you must. Not you could be. You may be. Jesus said, you must be born again. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. It's only through the remission of our sins, the forgiveness, the cleansing of Christ, do we receive a pure heart so we can enter into His presence when we are absent from this body and we can be present with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, if I was to ask you now, do you have a pure heart? I hope you would begin to raise your hand. I know you'd go, "Uh, still hard for me to admit it. According to Scripture, you have a pure heart because of the Holy Spirit. That will lead you to have a pure life. And it's only that pure heart that can take you to that life of purity. It's not your actions that make you pure. It's your heart that will make you pure, that will make your actions pure. Don't live with the excuse of the flesh alone. I want you to know this, and you can write this down. Pure in heart is a work of God and not a work of my actions. It is a work of God and not a work of my actions. 1 John chapter 1. While you're turning there. I want you to understand that I am not saying that we are without sin, those who are pure of heart. The amazing thing is, if you're pure of heart, you're pursuing after the things of God, and you're going away from the things of the flesh and sin. That is a pure heart. You are being sanctified. You're being brought into the image of Christ. You follow me? That is a pure heart. The one that refuses to pursue after God and what He thinks and He wills and what He wants in my life, the one that refuses that, and the one that just wants to walk in the flesh... Their heart's not been purified. So listen, 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you. That God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. Do you understand what that means? God is pure. God is holy. There is no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we've been born again, and Christ is our Savior, but yet we make excuses over here and say, well, it's just the flesh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just who I am, then we lie. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. and the blood of Jesus, His Son cleanses us, from all sin. The blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from how many? All. Okay, now, if I was to think about this, if you just told me all, then what you're saying is any defilement, anything that is there, the blood of Jesus will cleanse it and take it all away, which means that there's nothing but light left. Which would mean that our heart is pure because of Christ. It is a work of God, not our actions. So, keep going with me. Verse 7, I'm going to back up. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it kind of seems like it's contradictory, doesn't it? Christ will cleanse us from all sin, but if we say we don't have any sin, then we don't even know the truth. It's the reality that our heart can be purified, but our flesh is a sin factory. It's the reality that the holiness of God will show us the sins that we need to work on, the stuff in our life that's not like Christ, and that when we do that and we see that, then God can do a work in us. Because here's a promise. I love this. If we confess our sin, okay, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible is true? Do you believe what's written there? It's absolutely, it's not an opinion. It is what God believes. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to, what's the word? Cleanse, Cleanse us. Do you know what cleansing is? It's a purification. It's removing of the dirt. It's getting rid of that nasty, that ugly, that getting angry at Google for no real reason. It's not even a person. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. That cleansing is the purification that we already have in our heart that needs to be applied to our flesh. That is the killing work of sin that we engage in once we understand the killing work of Christ of sin on the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I will get to see God face to face because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and our heart's been purified. Not because you look good, dress good, you read good, you think good. It's because of what God has done on the inside of you that gains you access to the throne room of grace and God. So maybe today you're thinking, man, pastor, you just don't know how vile I am, how bad I am. Can I tell you, we all are. We're all messed up. We have nothing spiritually to offer in the conversation we have to come spiritually bankrupt to the throne and say God I have nothing to offer you know a thought just occurred to me and I don't know if anybody's ever done this way but it just hit me maybe somebody thinks well the pastors, up there. the pastor's up there preaching the pastor's up there he's in the Word of God he's got so much to offer no, I don't. I offer to him the same thing you have to offer. A spiritually bankrupt heart and a willing hands and a willing head to let him take control and do with what he needs to do with it. And he understands there are going to be times I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to say dumb things. I'm going to do dumb things. But God is so big, he still decides to use little old me To do His work. You are no different, my friend. We are all at the foot of the cross on level ground. Do not think just because I stand on a stage, I'm higher than you. When it comes to the cross, the same blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that resides in me resides in you. And the same blood was applied. The Word says clearly that if we confess our sins, He is faithful Which means he's not going to miss a lick. He hasn't lied about it. He will do it. He is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some of it, but he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So there is an essence that we have to realize we are sinners and we mess up. We have bad thoughts. We got bad motives. But we also have to realize we walk in the power of a purified heart because of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. I am blessed because I have a purified heart. I am pure in heart, but I mess up a lot of times in the flesh. When we begin to walk in the power of what God has done for us, We then can look at sin and say, you no longer have power over me. Christ has conquered that, and now God's going to work in me to get rid of this mess and make me look more like Jesus. So, a pursuit of a pure heart is a pursuit to see God. We began this year talking about a verse from the Old Testament that says, As for me... I will look expectantly for the Lord. I am looking to see God. A pure heart will see God in a situation where an unpure heart never will. An unpure heart will look at this world and say, man, it is a mess. What are we going to do? It's all falling apart. A pure heart looks at the world and says, there's hope. The hope is spelled J-E-S-U-S. Hope is not found in the next election or the last election. It's not found in in new stuff put before Congress or in the state. It is found in people getting Jesus Christ in their heart, their hearts purified by Him. Then they begin to think differently, walk differently. Violence goes down. Bloodshed goes down. Kindness goes up because God is residing in the hearts of people. A pure heart sees a need around us. An unpure heart sees defilement. An unpure heart just sees everybody as their enemy. A pure heart before God is a heart that will be able to see and hear from God like none other. We are to stay close and to draw near to God according to James 4.8. And we're to guard our hearts and our minds according to Proverbs 4.23. And what must we do with all this? We must ask. Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. David declared, Search my heart, O God, and see if there's any offensive way within me. We need to know first and foremost, first thing that you need to know, what you do with this is know who I am in Christ. I hope today you can walk away with with maybe a step a little closer to understand you have a pure heart if you're born again. Now your heart can be defiled because of our flesh, but that pure heart points to where it needs to change. We have received a pure heart because of God's work, Christ's work, not your work. Your pure heart is not defiled by your action, defined by your actions. Your pure heart is defined by Christ and his actions and you accepting him. Now we can either tap into that or we cannot. But know who we are in Christ. And the second one act like who you are in Christ. Did that hit you between the eyes? If you you know that the Word of God calls you a saint, holy, and you're royal, and that you have a pure heart, act like it. When I go out into public, you know what I act like? Your pastor. I don't go out in public acting like a fool. If I did, I'd say I go to pre-chapel. It's just a joke. Just a joke. When I go out into public, I act as if I am your pastor and I'm a pastor to other people. It's because that's what God has called me to do. But it's also an essence of what God has called me to be. It's part of my identity, my being, is to pastor people of all generations of all ethnicities, of all economic standing, I am to be a pastor to people. You would look at me, and some of you would probably put some stuff on Facebook, message people, call people, text people. If I went out there and I started acting like a fool, like I didn't even know Jesus, I guarantee you, you'd call me out on it. But yet, every day, Christians will come to church on Sunday, Declare Jesus is Lord and walk out the door and act as if they don't even know Him. You have been redeemed and forgiven and made pure by the blood of Christ. Act like it. But it begins with knowing. The heart is part of knowing and understanding. Know who you are in Christ and act like it. Here's your seven-day challenge. Read 1 John 1-9 every day this week. The promise that if you confess your sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness so that you may understand the purity of heart that Christ has already given to you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know what? Praise the Lord. That should be overwhelming to us, the awesome news that we get to see God because our heart's been purified through Jesus Christ. Not because I've dressed right, acted right, I've fasted and prayed or read the Bible, I've gone to church, I've been baptized. None of that matters if you've got a heart that's not been purified by Christ. You will never, ever see God. You see God because of a pure heart that Christ gives to each of us. How will you respond today? How has the Holy Spirit spoken to you during this message about the life that you are living, the things that's going on in your life? Maybe you've been beating yourself up. Maybe you've been saying things like, I don't deserve His forgiveness. I don't deserve to be blessed by God. I've made too many mistakes. Stuff has happened in my past, and I'm I'm just not right. I tell you something, Jesus died for you just as much as he died for me. He purified you just as much as he purified me. Rest in the assurance that you've been given a pure heart through Jesus Christ. And that the promise is this. You will see God. Those who do not know Jesus Christ will not see God. God, not in His glory and not in heaven. They will have to face Him at the judgment whenever it is declared. What did you do with Jesus? And they go, I rejected Him. They will not see God in His glory in heaven. So today, if you do not know Jesus Christ, if you, if you have not come, if you have not expressed yourself in a way that you have a relationship with Jesus, today's the day to do it. Because we have a need. We're broken. We're sinful. And when we come spiritually bankrupt to God, we ask Him to take over our life, to forgive us. We pursue after Him. You know what He does? He forgives us. He gives us mercy, knowing that we're going to need more mercy, that we're going to come and confess our sins, and He's going to forgive us and cleanse us of our sins and continue to do that work so we can be like Christ. But we can bask in the glory of knowing He's given us a pure heart so we shall see God. The blueprint is Jesus. How much are you looking like Him? How much work does He need to do in your life right now? pray with me Father we thank you for your word we thank you for the truth it gives to us the confidence that we have that we can walk forward in knowing that you've done a work in us that we cannot do that you've changed us in ways that we cannot change and that you're not done yet and that if we confess our sins that you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness not just some but all And not just forgive, but also cleanse. So Lord, today for the one who's been struggling with a sin in their life, that they keep asking you to forgive them. God, forgive me, I messed up again. God, forgive me, I messed up again. God, forgive me, I messed up again. Lord, let them understand the other part of that verse, that you will cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Let them step into the realm of who you have made them to be more than who you have at, what you have asked them to do. It must start with who we are before it can move into what we do. So God, do a great work in us this morning to understand and embrace who we are in Christ so that we can do what you've asked us to do. Father, today, I come spiritually bankrupt once again to you. Asking that you will forgive me. I have nothing to offer. Except for the wrong things that I continue to do and the right things that I continue to to not do that are sin. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Take over my life. Guide me. Direct me. I hunger and thirst for you. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness and the pure of heart that you've given to me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.